Eyes on Sports podcast. Sports takes and more weekly. Hey guys, what is up, and welcome back to the show. I hope you like that new intro music. Uh, You can let me know if not, or if it's too long, or whatever, because that's what it's going to be now, just because I had to take down like three episodes, because I got emails about them saying I had copyrighted music, and I took down like eight other episodes, because even in looking back at that, I realized, how stupid could I be? Like, I'm clearly using music that's copyrighted material, um, a lot of my episodes use like some royalty free music, but, but, or some like my early, like first year podcasting didn't really use much music at all, except the stuff that was on anchor. Um, but hopefully that's good. I made that myself. Uh, if you can believe it, GarageBand actually makes it pretty easy. But anyways, um, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about game one and two, of the NBA finals, heat and the nuggets. And then we're also going to be talking some Roland Garros after Game 1 and 2 of the NBA Finals, all coming up on today's show. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, follow me on Instagram, at Sports. Looking for some more content as the summertime comes around. Going to try to go as daily as possible with some predictions for like NFL and NBA for next year and, and summer NFL news and just some short-form video content that might be appealing. Uh, but anyways... That's Instagram, always on sports on Twitter. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, so the first thing with the NBA Finals is is I want to start off with the Game 1 to Game 2 transformation of the Miami Heat, uh, which, as Michael Malone said, the Heat were 5 of 16 in Game 1 on wide-open threes. He wasn't even going to say, oh, wow, they only shot like 30% from it. He's saying, why are we even giving him those wide-open threes? Why are we giving the Heat wide-open threes? Because the reality is, in Game 2, Duncan Robinson's not going to go 1 for 5 again, and Max Struess is not going to go 0 for 10 again. And if we give them those 16 wide-open threes, they're going to make us pay more than 5 for 16. So that was the number one thing that he was concerned with in Game 1, because he knew that that was one of the reasons why the Heat were able to stick around. And Michael Malone was absolutely right. Max Drew shot a better four for ten, including he went three for he was about three for four to start the game out, so he started out strong. Um, and Duncan Robinson went two for three, and it's not to also mention uh, Gabe Vincent went four for six from three point land. And now I don't know how many of those were considered wide open threes, but a lot of them were from the ones that I saw in the game last night. So that was another issue again. I remember Michael Malone after game two, he was complaining yet again over the defense of his nuggets. And it, just especially on those wide open threes. And 
Another thing that the Heat were piling the pressure on from three is is they got is fourth quarter I think third third quarter or fourth quarter the fouls piled up for the Nuggets and that really really hurt them uh, going like in the second half especially I think it was more in the fourth quarter they got fouled on multiple three they fouled the Heat on multiple, like two or three th- three pointers so they got nine six or nine free shots at the line um, but really it, it was the same game it was essentially the same game. The difference was the Heat were shooting much better from from beyond the arc. They in this game they shot 48% from 3, 17 for 35. But in game 1 they were 13 for 39. So that's a 15% difference. They made four more three-pointers on four less attempts. Uh 48% as a team is good. The Heat have been able to do that this entire playoffs, and that is what it was essentially the same game. If the Heat made the same amount of three pointers in the last game, then the Heat would have won Game One as well. So I think that's what Michael Malone was concerned about, and the Heat gave it gave it to him, and the Heat uh, made those concerns come true, and so they win the game by three. And just the Nuggets, I think the most important thing for the Heat again, another thing that kept them in it was you're not going to be able to limit. Nikola Jokic completely. That is something that is impossible. That is something that is not possible. It's never going to be done fully. You're never going to be able to limit all the rebounding, the assists, and most importantly, the assists and the points. They let him get 41 points, but they also held him to four assists and three turnovers. That is humongous. He had 10 assists, I believe, after the first quarter in the last game, and he finished the game with 14. He, he he had an emphasis on passing. The Heat let him score this game, and that shut him down. The Heat made the other guys. The Heat made the other guys create and didn't because Jokic is the best passer in the league. He's one. He's probably the best player in the world. He is. But he what what sets him apart, especially as a center. He's so big and tall. He can shoot, but he can also pass like no one else can in the NBA. So the Heat decided we're going to limit his passing. We're going to maybe give up a few more points, but we're going to limit his passing. And that's exactly what they did. Because the Nuggets don't play as well if he's not passing like he normally does. The, the Nuggets had a little bit more trouble with wide-open shots because, because uh, Jokic wasn't able to create as much because that is clearly something that the Heat put a point of emphasis on. And it really it worked in this game too. So what what's the difference between these two games is the Heat made adjustments the Nuggets, I'm sure they made adjustments because of how much Malone was was talking about it, but they just did not do it. The The effort increased for the Heat. The shooting got better for the Heat, but the Nuggets stuck with the same thing. The Heat just uh, cut out part of Jokic's game. They can't do it all, but they cut out part of it, and they shot the ball much better. The, the, the Nuggets seemed to play a similar game, and they didn't really seem to change much, and that allowed the Heat to uh, take game two. It's just, at the end of the day, it just seemed like better game planning for Miami for game two and better execution of that game plan. Because if you look back at game one again, the five for 16 on open threes, they only lost the game by 11. They made three more of those. The momentum would have changed. It would have only been a two-point loss. But the momentum would have changed because it would have been much closer down the stretch. The Heat ran out of time. When they started hitting some shots, they ran out of time. But the game game might have been different had they made a few more of those shots during the game towards the end because 33% is a big difference from 48%. And while they gave up 41 to Jokic, they were able to do it themselves better on the offensive end of the floor, and they limited part 
of his of his game. But as we know, I mean, we know Michael Malone. We know the Heat are playing very well at home in, the, in these playoffs. But we know Michael Malone. He's going to make adjustments. But I think one of the main issues right now for the Heat is Jimmy Butler. He, these last few games, he just has not been playing Jimmy Butler playoff Jimmy style basketball. He had he finished with 21 points, a plus three over under. Obviously, he played almost. He played 40 minutes. Um, two for five from three. Uh, he had a big. He had that big three from the corner. But and he had nine assists and uh, only one turnover. He's been a really good facilitator uh, with the basketball. But I need to. I would like to see him attacking a little bit more, more consistently. Now it worked last game. The nine assists was great. The Heat were shooting better overall. But I think that if they want to sustain, I think forty nine percent is really, really good from three. But I just can they the Heat do that three or four more games? I think that Jimmy Butler is going to have to play a little bit better. I think he played great last or good last night, but I just knowing playoff Jimmy, I know he can play a little bit better, and they might need him to do that. But if anything for the Heat, we know he's he step he's going to step up in those big moments, which he which he has done, especially like even in that game six they lost to the Celtics, he still stepped up when he wasn't playing good. But overall, I I think that it was a great game for the Heat. The Nuggets didn't do much to change. It seemed like which if you're a Nuggets fan, you probably noticed that too, and that was probably disappointing. Now, the Heat did something that the uh, no one else has done in these playoffs because the Nuggets have been so good at home. They they swept they swept the, the Lakers. So AD, KD, uh, LeBron did not mean to do that in that order. Devin Booker, they couldn't win a game in the in the Denver. And personally for me, I don't like the mile high thing. I get it. It makes a difference. I feel like it makes more of a difference with stamina because of that. Like, it's harder to breathe at higher altitudes. But I don't think there's any excuse for in that game one, the Heat to shoot that bad. There is no excuse for that, um, especially what, what the reason why they're there. Max Struess and Duncan Robinson are there because of their shooting abilities. They're undrafted. They're, they're really great basketball players. But they're there and they're getting paid because their, their role is to shoot the ball. 0 for 10, I'm sorry, I don't care. I, I am a Heat fan, but I don't care. If you're, you, you're getting paid to, and your job is to shoot threes, you should not be going 0 for 10. I don't care about the altitude. I really don't care. I, I really don't like that that narrative. That's kind of dumb in my opinion. But now for the future, my, my totally unbiased self, I hope it's going to be 3-1 after these two games. But the reality is, I think it's going to be 2-2 two to two after game four. I think they're going to split these games in Miami for a couple of reasons. Um, I think I think the Nuggets are going to know how to make adjustments after game two. Um, he only won that game by three, shooting 49% from three and keeping Jokic to four assists and three turnovers. Got 41 points, obviously. But this Nuggets team is way too good. For for that for I think that game two to happen again I think the Heat played obviously an amazing game but another really important thing is is Tyler Hero whether he plays in game three or not we don't know he's a game time he's listed as a game time decision currently for, for Wednesday's game I think it's on Wednesday so let me see yeah uh, six seven yeah Wednesday Wednesday at eight thirty he's a game time decision. Uh, but so whether or not he plays will be uh, we'll have to know by the time the game starts. But uh, I, I think it's going to be two to two for uh, a couple of reasons. Um, uh, I think it, I think it might take some time for Tyler Hero. It might take him a game. Uh, obviously, we know how good he is—six man of the year, twenty points a game. But I think that'll only propel this Heat offense forward. So I think he can be a really big difference maker on whether or not they win the series. I think that the Heat 
the way they've been playing, if they put up the same performance again, if they shoot 49% and either eliminate Jokic's points or Jokic's uh, uh, assist to turnovers or total assist numbers, then there's no, then they're definitely going to win win the game because even even the Nuggets, when they caught fire, the Heat just seemed to know how to slow them down again. Uh, so, But I think that them getting uh, Tyler Hero back is going to be a huge, 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 uh, uh, it's going to be a huge advantage for them uh, for for the next couple of games and for the rest of the series. But So I think it's going to be 2-1 Miami. I think the Heat are going to win a close one, like similar score. I think it's going to be one. Let's go 109-105 for, no, 114-111 for the Miami Heat in game three. And then in game four, I think it's going to be 117-112 for the Nuggets. But I think what's most important with Tyler here coming back is him, the consistency just adds that extra layer of protection for the Miami Heat if if someone else isn't shooting well, but you have another guy that we know can shoot really well. Uh, and he's going to be able to start his playoffs back again on his home floor with a Heat team that's obviously playing really well. It's one-to-one in the NBA Finals as an eight seed. But I, I think that he's going to be someone who's going to add that extra layer of protection. But just the thing is, at the end of the day, this Nuggets team is overall better than the Miami Heat. Are, and so, while see, because the Heat are playing way too good for it to not go six or seven games. So th- that's really why. So... It's going to be two to two after Miami, and I, I I do believe it's going to go to a game seven. I'm not going to predict who's going to win game seven right now, but I, that's the prediction. It's going to be someone in seven, and you know I kind of want to flip my prediction. I think it's going to be Nuggets in game three. Totally unbiased. Once again, I want the Heat to win, but it's going to be Nuggets in game three, Heat in game four, because Tyler here's going to be back at full strength. They're going to be playing really really well. They're not going to lose two games in Miami. You know, like these these two teams are just. They're kind of the epitome this postseason of home court advantage. Heat lost twice against the Celtics, yes, but uh, seven and two, I think, and I think the Nuggets just lost their first game to Miami. So that get, Miami getting that game, especially again in a series where they're the underdogs. But like in this series, like other three, I mean, but in this one, obviously the it's all going to be on the Nuggets. So getting that one game in Denver is going to be huge. Now. Three and four is going to be interesting. It's, the storylines are really going to be, can the Heat limit part of Jokic? And can the Heat keep up that three-point shooting? And with and how will Tyler Hero settle in his return? And on the other side, for the, for the Nuggets, it'll depend on how good can the supporting cast offensively help around Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Uh, they're going to need that. They're going to need another guy that can provide them a spark in these next few games. Um... Because Jokic and Gordon, I mean, Jokic and, not Gordon, Aaron Gordon, Jokic and Jamal Murray, they they shot 23, they made 23 of the 39 field goals, which is 60%, about 60%. Um, and if you look at Miami, they're much more spread out. They made 38 shots. They had eight from Bam, eight from Gabe, uh, seven from Jimmy Butler, uh, four from Max Drews, four from Duncan Robinson. I mean, I guess also two from... Uh, Kevin Love, um, but on the other side it was one, one, uh, three, four, sixteen, and seven. Uh, obviously Jokic is going to be the guy that's going to get uh, th- those points, but the the Heat did a really good job of neutralizing him. He had the worst over under mi- minus Michael Porter Jr. on the on in the game for the Nuggets, and so I think it's really going to depend on what Nikola Jokic is going to be able to do, and I think that. 
because of the limitations that the Heat applied to his passing ability, that is a lot of what helped them win this game too. So for game three and four, uh, it's going to be two to two going back to Denver. I hope it's three to one. Once again, I'll say it again. Um, don't don't want to seem traitor like here, um, but I, I do believe it's going to be two to two going back the other direction. And I think we got a good rest of series in store, rest of NBA Finals for us. He's trying to make history. Uh, Jokic trying to win his first championship, just to add that little bit of a bolster his Hall of Fame, already Hall of Fame career. All right, so the quarterfinals are set for Roland Garros, and the, so the final eight in both draws. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Roland Garros and how it's been going so far. But so let's start off. I want to preview the quarterfinals and talk about each match. So first one for the, on the men's side, so Alcaraz and Tsitsipas. So you have Alcaraz uh, obviously playing really, really well right now. I mean, also Tsitsipas, someone else who's been playing really well. Took out uh, Offner, who's been playing very, very well uh, in straight sets, even bageling him in the third. Uh, but I, I believe that Alcaraz is going to win this match because it's clay. Uh, I think that he kind of has the mental edge in three out of fives a little bit over Tsitsipas does, um, at least based off the past. And I think that he's going to trek a little bit forward. He's, he's going to be the last hope, in my opinion, to beat Djokovic. Uh, which leads to our next one, Djokovic. He's he's wanting this tournament. Uh, he knows that this is his only opportunity, or I'm not sure he thinks that, but in reality, this is his only op- other opportunity to win because Nadal's not playing because he's not getting. I know he got past him a couple years ago, but that was a like he's only done it twice. Nadal Nadal's won it like 14 times, so he knows this is a prime opportunity to win another uh, Roland Garros, uh, and so he's gonna. Know that he's gonna get through Kachanov, I believe. Let's go with four. We're gonna go with Kachanov losing in four, Alcaraz winning in four. Uh, Rune and Rude. Now this is interesting. Rude is four and one against Holger Rune. Um, I don't think Rude will fall for Rune. <laughs> Y'all are gonna be so confused if you're listening to this. Rude and Rune. All right, so. Rude beat Jari today in straights, came back in a couple of those sets, won in straights. Rude's, been, Rude's a guy that he didn't have a great lead up to this tournament, uh, the last uh, couple of tournaments leading in. And so people kind of left him under the radar. But here he is in the quarterfinals playing Rune, who's coming off a win against Sarandolo, who was, which is a match that he almost uh, let slip away from him. He was, he was up 5-4, he was serving for it, and it, uh, he almost let it slip away. Sarandolo broke him and held, and then Rune took it to a tiebreaker. It was 7-all, and Rune won three points in a row to move on. So now Rude and Rune, and, and Rude's beating a, coming off beating a guy in straights that – Won the Geneva Open coming into this tournament. So a guy who's been playing really, really well. So Rude or Rune? I'm going to say Holger and Casper now because I know that's going to be confusing. All right, Holger or Casper. So uh, I think that Rune is going to be – okay, I, I already broke my own rule. Holger is going to be tired from that last match. I think that because he's a lot younger, he's less experienced. He's obviously really good. He's already up to the sixth seed, but less experienced, he's younger. I, so I, I think so. I think Casper's uh, in better shape than he is, especially coming off a. It was close three sets, but it was three sets versus five, uh, where four out of the, the six sets were relatively close or very close. Two of them seven six, and having to do that ten point tiebreaker. Um, so, uh, but obviously Holger should be able to recover. But 
Casper has the 4-1 uh, match lead on Holger. And I don't think that Casper's going to let Holger get into his head. Because, you know, see, I'm, I like Holger Rune, but... The thing, I just don't like the medical timeouts that he takes because the medical timeouts that he takes, some of them, mo- okay, most of them, I don't believe are legit. Uh, and so I, I don't think Casper will fall for that. I think that that won't really mess with Casper very much. And so I think Casper's going to get through in five sets over Holger Rune. Um, and then finally, Echeverry versus Zverev. Zverev is a guy that I thought he might lose to Dimitrov today because of how well Dimitrov has been playing. He's been coming alive recently. But no, Zverev's destroyed him. Uh, French Open back from that injury last year against Nadal. And he's playing really, really good tennis. Echeverry, another guy playing really, really good tennis. Uh, won against Nishioka today in what was a weird match. It was 7-6 in the first set. 10-8 was the tiebreaker. Nishioka would win one more game. Now, I didn't watch any of the match. I don't know if Nishioka was hurting somewhere or anything. But 0-1, I mean, if he stood out there that whole time, see, he probably was pretty healthy and still able to play. Echeverry, breakthrough season so far. He's been playing really, really well. And now into a quarterfinal of a major. So, does he have enough to beat Zverev, though? I don't think so because every single time I've doubted Zverev uh, because he's coming back from injury and that type of thing and hasn't played as much. He's proved me wrong because I was talking to my brother. He's like, should I, should I bet on Dimitrov today? I was like, I think Dimitrov might be a pretty good – it might be it's, – it's, it's a wild take, but I think that Dimitrov has a good good chance of beating Zverev. And then Zverev comes in, wins 1-4-3 and three in a set where he was down 4-2 in the second, pulls it out, doesn't lose another game, and then would win the third set 6-3. So, I mean – He's been playing really good. Also knocked out Tiafo, um, two tight sets as well that he was able to pull out. Um, and so he really doesn't really seem like he missed much time at all, even though he really did. Um, he, he's back. He's he's performed well in the big moments. Obviously, he's been in the big moments before. He's been at highly as ranked number three, so he knew he could perform those big moments. It was just a question because coming back from injury, first major back from injury, I don't think he played Australia. So... Every single time he's proved me wrong. So in this case, I'm going to have to go Zverev in three. Honestly, Zverev in three. Uh, so those are the quarterfinals for you. So Alcaraz is going to beat Tsitsipas, playing really well on clay right now. Um, looking for a second major, Djokovic over Kachanov in four. Casper over Holger in, I, what did I say, five? Yes, five. I, I agree with five. Um, I think that Holger's gotten better since the last few times that they've played, but I still think that Casper is playing really, really well now. All of a sudden, again, didn't have a great lead-up, but is now having a great tournament all of a sudden. And, I mean, I wouldn't even say all of a sudden. I mean, yes, all of a sudden, just because he hadn't played well before, but I think he's riding a lot of momentum at the moment. And then Zverev over Echeverry in three sets. Zverev keeps coming back and proving me wrong, so I'm going to have to go Zverev. Over on the over on the women's side now, you you got so to start off with here. I'm gonna go from the bottom this time. So Svitolina and Sabalenka. Sabalenka coming off a six and four win against Stevens. Stevens been playing well, obviously someone that's really up and down, but in this particular tournament, playing really well and was down 5-0 in that first set. Uh, forced a tiebreaker, but uh, Sabalenka, in it, uh, at the end of the day, won the set. Won the second set. It was a tight, good match. I remember sitting there watching, I'm like, what am I watching this for? This is boring. Like, 5-0, and then I guess Steven Teld, she gave a fist pump, and then I guess she 
didn't give up the set. I mean, came back, uh, still lost it, but it turned out to be a interesting and topsy-turvy match, which was, at the end of the day, fun to watch. Um, but anyways, and Svitolina, be, just coming off being the ninth seed, she's unseeded, obviously, but she's playing like she was before she had her kid. Uh, playing, I mean, like, I mean, I don't really see any flaws. Kasakina winning that in straights, that's impressive. Um, but at the end of the day, will Sabalenka be too much for Svitolina? I don't think so. I think Sabalenka is playing the best clay Roland Garros I think she's ever played so far. Uh, because obviously her best strength is her power, but with, with clay it can be neutralized a little bit. Um, but I think she's overcome that. There's no serve problems anymore, obviously, that they talked about all of last year. And so what 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 do we have for this match? I think Svitolina is going to be the, her biggest test. But, I mean, I want to say Svitolina is going to win, but at the end of the day, just the way that Sabalenka has been playing, I'm going to have to put Sabalenka in a tight three sets. And I mean a tight three sets. And if Svitolina comes out on top, it would be no surprise to me at all. Um, and then secondly... You have Mukova and Polyuchenkova, two two players that were definitely not expected to be here, that I didn't expect to be here. Uh, Mukova beat Begu in the third round, uh, and Polyuchenkova beat beat a Mertens that destroyed Pugula. I mean, I, I've known we've known Pugula to have off days every so often like that, but still one in three for Mertens, and, and then coming off of that, and Polyuchenkova uh, played really really well after the first set. So. I'm gonna. I think, I I think she's she's another one who's riding a wave of momentum. So I'm gonna go with Polyuchenkova in three sets. But I think the first two sets will be close. But then Polyuchenkova will get it together and then win the third set pretty pretty quickly and tidy, like six two or so. Um, and then so Swiatek and golf. Uh, uh, this this is an interesting match. But two things for Swiatek. The bake the bakery thing that's been swirling around on the internet because she's gotten like four bagel sets in this tournament. The two against Wang O and O, which is something that you just never see in pro tennis. Uh, she's she's just easily the best player in women's tennis right now. And on top of that, she was up five one against Serenko, but Serenko had to retire. So she's gonna be fresh. I'm not saying golf won't be fresh. You will be fresh. She's She's uh, been playing pretty well, but I think what what's been trouble for for golf is she's been losing. She's lost a couple of first sets, had slow starts, and in in some of these matches, which you just cannot do against someone like uh, uh, Swiatek. I mean, or Sriantek, whatever. Uh, you you just cannot do that. So I think in reality that that this is going to be the end of the road for golf. I I think that the slow starts, you 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 can get over it against someone like 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 Andreva who's new. Uh, only like 16, uh, and so, but like she got over it there. But I just don't think someone like Swiatek is going to allow Golf to get over a slow start. And just Swiatek, she's just playing too good. Iga's Bakery is still going strong. That's been swirling around. I mean, she said she's not into that, which makes which I mean, that's you expect her to say that, but still, uh, Swiatek in two, not quickly. This is going to be one of her closer matches she's had. But like three and three, two and four, two and three, or something, something along the lines of that. I I think golf will give her the biggest struggle she's had, but it's still not going to be that big of a struggle at the end of the day. And finally, you have Hadad Maia and Ons Jabor. Um, Jabor, someone who's been playing, another player is obviously everyone in the quarterfinals. I'm going to say they've been playing well, but uh, Hadad Maia coming off. Uh, 
a win against Cerebe's Tormo. Uh, I think she's the first Brazilian into the quarterfinals ever, uh, at least on the female side of of the Roland Garros. Uh, and so she she's coming in. She got the Cerebe's Tormo got the walkover against Rabakina, um, and and had had Maia beat Alexandrova coming into that match. It was a really tight. It was a really fun match to watch. I I got to watch a little bit of that, especially into that third set. Um, in she lost, so Haddad Maia lost the first set, but then won the next two, and so, but Jabor, on the other side of things, uh, it, it, this is going to be an interesting match, uh, Haddad Maia, they, they're two relatively, I don't, I don't really know how to say if, like, style's a game, necessarily, like, um, uh, Jabor won the previous two meetings that they played, I mean, it's two to zero for, for on Jabor. This is for six hundred thirty thousand dollars. I did not know that. That's what's saying on my screen right now. Um, but Hadad Maie, that's something that's gonna be different. She spent double the time on the court. Her last match was three hours and fifty-one minutes, uh, and and last match for Jabor was only an hour, and Jabor spent five hours and thirty-six minutes on the court to Hadad Maie's uh, ten hours and twenty-six minutes on the court. So. Um, that 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 could make a difference. I think Haddad Maia is pretty in shape and pretty fit, so I think she'll be able to recover for the most part. But but double the time on the court and a four hour a two out of three set match is crazy. So I think I already w- would favor favor Jabor a little bit more, anyways. So I think that's gonna help help me make my decision even more. So I'm gonna have to go with Jabor in three sets. I think I think the the. Like I think the time on court might catch up to her, so I think it, it, it's going to be Haddad Maia in the first set, but then Jabor will come out on top of the next two sets to be the last person, or not necessarily, I don't know the schedule, to advance to the semifinals. Yeah, but anyways, those are my predictions for the French Open uh, for both sides uh, going forward. It's been a fun tournament so far. I like talking about the majors. Um, but anyways, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, I'm Preston Green. This is All Eyes on Sports. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at All Eyes on Sports. And I will talk to you next time on the show.